And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Matt Mosley. On his Matt Mosley show, ESP in Central Texas, Bruce Feldman. I've known him for many years, uh, joining the Matt Mosley show, Fox, The Athletic. And Bruce, your freaks list came out last week. I mean, it's always fun. And at this point, you've done it long enough where I bet there's a lot of lobbying that happens. You talk to scouts, coaches, agents, now the NIL world. Um, This is a very coveted list. And uh, so I appreciate you being on with us. And and I bet it's always fun after you put it out there. You got people, and and you start hearing from people that say, well, this guy should have been on it. And there's people that don't make the cut. Uh, Bruce, welcome back to the uh, Matt Mosley Show. Thank you, Matt. Great to be on with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. Now, you, when you first started, it was like a list of 10, and I don't know how long that took you. Now, 101 members of the Freaks list. Um, I would think this takes quite a while during the offseason. Do you, do you start compiling it almost right after you release it each year and like all your visits and when you go to call a game? Like, um, is it basically a year-round business at this point? It has become that, Matt. I, I really think, you know, it's something that I'll keep a separate file where I'm just kind of adding to it. And then once we get into spring fall, football is starting to ramp up. You know, I'll talk to coaches, talk to strength coaches, talk to SIDs. And then as we get to the summer, um, you know, what's been a great resource for me, I found out probably – when I first became a sideline reporter for Fox probably seven, eight years ago, uh, I'm on the field in the pregame, you know, for a couple hours for kickoff, you know, talking to coaches and, and whatnot. And the people who are out there at the same time are NFL scouts. And I had, you know, a bunch of scouts over the years would come up and start talking to me always about my freaks list. And, you know, it was very flattering. And then the conversations, you know, kind of were ongoing. And I realized these guys are also going to be, you know, have proven to be a great resource. I mean, Jim Nagy, who does a great job running the senior bowl, um, you know, there last year, I probably had a three hour phone call with him and, and his staff. And this year I had, it wasn't as long as three hours, but similar. And um, it's just great to trade notes. And I feel like one of the things that has really emerged from this. And I didn't really think of it when I started doing freaks list almost 20 years ago, but in the last, you know, 10 years or so is it has turned out to be, um, you know, a great piece for people who really, they may not even be huge college football fans. They may be big NFL fans and obsessed with the draft. That's, you know, that happens whatever, nine months later. But I think for a lot of people, this is the first chance they'll, they'll hear about some of some names who they may hear about a lot more as the draft process ramps up. And that's been a really cool thing to be a part of. Should you do like an announcement show for the freaks list? I mean, I, I feel like with your Fox connections, all the podcasting you do, I mean, I think people would kind of tune into something like that. If you, uh, as uh, I mean, that to me, that would be some kind of fun programming. It does, uh, uh, I guess you're already doing enough broadcasting during the year. You may not want to do a whole nother TV show, but I think there may be something there, Bruce. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, maybe there's some meat left on the bone there, so to speak. But, you know, one thing that I've, I've loved about this in the last few years is, you know, the people can go to the story on The Athletic and they will see 
like video of some of these amazing, you know, feats that some of these guys can do, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, a short shuttle run that would blow away the NFL combine record that people were like, no, that can't really be true. And then they can put a stopwatch on it themselves if they want. Or, you know, Chris Jenkins, whose dad was a great player in the NFL. He's a D lineman at Michigan taking a 170 pound dumbbell and doing what's called the Turkish getup. And when you watch it, you're like, that's insane to see him actually do it. And just to see the video of it, like when we first started doing this back in the old ESPN days, you know, the idea of having video with it, I don't know if the technology was altogether there anyway, but it was just, just wasn't really a thought. Now it's something Mm -hmm. where I realized people will see it and grab on, grab it, gravitate to it. And it's just a great way to, to draw more eyeballs into the story. All right, like Thor Griffith stood out to me, number eight on the list, Harvard man, state champion wrestler, and a youth hockey standout to the point where he was at a pretty high level, somehow kind of like in a Bruins-type feeder-type system. I mean, that is uh, it's kind of fascinating. And somebody was quoted saying basically from the Ivy League, we haven't blocked him like in like two seasons or something like that. Um, that's, that's just kind of interesting that it translates. A guy who has that background could be this good at football, and, and then you wonder, you start extrapolating and go, okay, is that going to work in the NFL? Like, is he that level? And I guess you just never know for sure. But uh, when, did, when did Thor get on your – and what a great name for somebody on the freaks list. I just feel like that's a uh, – Thor deserves to be on the uh, freaks list, and it's icing on the cake that he's got all this unbelievable ability. Yeah, he he was somebody who got on my radar um, last summer, and I had a guy on the freaks list in the top 20 last year, also in the Ivy League, Andre Yoshivas, great track athlete who's from Hawaii, who was at Princeton. And I don't think many people knew about him till we – you know, wrote about him a lot last year in Freak's List. And I think he was number 15. He ended up getting drafted by the Bengals, and he's generated some buzz with the Bengals now, in, you know, in their camp. And Thor was a guy I heard from some of the Ivy League coach contacts I had. And then, you know, I was like, is this guy for real kind of stuff? And he was on the list last year in the top 50. And then, you know, I kept in contact with him, and he would give me updates on what he's been doing. And then I would talk to, you know, one of the coaches I knew there who was like, yeah, he did this, this, and this. I mean, for people who follow the combine, they know benching 225 pounds, anything more than 40 times is a lot. For him to do is an incredible amount. For him to do 45 times, that would be one of the most in the history of the combine. But also at 320 pounds now, he ran a 4.9540. I mean, that is moving. And, you know, if he does what he's done at Harvard in the training and the testing side, you know, he is going to create a lot of buzz in the, at the combine and in the draft process. And I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a top, you know, a first-round pick, but I suspect he'll be a guy who will get drafted because mm-hmm. – he is relentless. He's an incredible worker, and he is really explosive and strong. And look, you know, there's a team not that far from from where you guys are based, Matt, that spent a first round draft pick on somebody who they think will be tough to get out of the, you know, to root off the line. And Mozzie Smith, this guy's not quite as big, and he's certainly not as long, but he is a powerhouse. And I think, you know, if he's a late round pick, it wouldn't surprise me. 
Where was Mozzie? Do you remember off the top of your head on the uh, freaks list in the past? Mozzie, Did he, was num- Mozzie was number one last year. Wow. <laughs> strength numbers and power numbers were, were mind-blowing, you know, at 337 pounds. And, um, you know, I've had a run of, of Big Ten D linemen because the year before, his old teammate Aiden Hutchinson was actually number two. And he obviously went two in the draft. Um, you know, so there's been guys – guys like that but just you know he was a different kind of different kind of freak than than Aiden Hutchinson whose shuttle times were were pretty remarkable for being that tall he was strong but not not like Mozzie strong like the stuff you know for people who look back at last year's frequency list the stuff that Mozzie was doing you know nobody had done at Michigan before in terms of just being that strong and that powerful so Bruce Feldman on the Matt Mosley show ESPN Central Texas Gabe Hall a two-time member of the Freaks list at Baylor. Uh, it's interesting because he caught your eye a couple of years ago. He's back on the list. His production, some of these guys' production almost doesn't live up to how unbelievable they are, uh, which is kind of interesting because once you're on the Freaks list, I think people are kind of like, well, I expect more from this guy. I expect more sacks, more game-changing plays. But, again, you're not trying to project how great they're going to be production-wise. It's kind of like, is this an athletic freak? How did kind of Gabe Hall, how do you remember him first getting on the list? And, and of course, he now remains on the list. Yeah, a super strong guy in a 500-pound bench. And usually guys who are like that have arms as long as probably Thor does, you know, if, you know, where it's not like having to go that far. He's really long. He runs, you know, he's got really good top end speed running about 20 miles per hour at 6'6", almost 300 pounds. And so he was, he's definitely somebody who's been intriguing talent to see if he puts it together all together on the field. You know, sometimes guys, you know, I had a guy a couple of years ago on here that I felt like was really under the radar. And he was a cornerback from UTSA, Tariq Woolen. I couldn't believe his numbers at 6'4" super fast, super dynamic athlete. And he had a, you know, he had a terrific year at UTSA and then blew it up at the combine. Obviously had a really, really good rookie year with the Seahawks. Sometimes those guys, you know, who have the traits, it takes them a while to just for it to click, um, you know, and I think we'll see what, you know, where Gabe Hall is. I mean, Julius Brents was a, was another freaky guy at K-State who was up and down and his career started at Iowa, went to K-State, and then had a really good senior year and then moved up the draft process. But I just think, you know, it's not to say that they're always going to hit, but I think a lot of these guys, sometimes it just takes maybe a little longer, you know, but I think you'd rather have some kind of this kind of elite traits that people are going to mm-hmm. take, take a long chance on it. I like those 5'10 nose tackles that are just stronger than all get out. There was a guy nicknamed Neck on your list, and he may have been down there around 100. Uh, I, I you know, love guys like that. What was the – how many inches ne- his his neck? I think you had that. Uh, was it 18? I was just trying to remember no, what the – it's not 18. Neck's neck is 21 inches. 21. So for context <laughs> – for people who remember the great Takeo Spikes and remember what his <laughs> neck looked like, that's what that's the same measurement. Um, neck almost didn't make the list. He was sitting there at 100, and about six hours before we were going to hit publish, it was the night before I got a DM from a coach in the ACC who was telling about a cornerback who vertical jumps well over 42 inches. And 
I was like, it's, I'm about to, you know, we're about to hit send on this deal. And I said, can I, can, can you get me in touch with your strength coach? Cause I just wanted somebody else to, to verify some of this other stuff. And I got the guy on the phone at like 1045 at night, his time, and then texted my editor back. And I was like, Hey, I got one guy. I want to, I'm going to have to work back in. And so she was like, okay. And she's like, who are we going to bump off? And I'm like, man, I don't want to bump Neck Mitchell off because Neck Mitchell was sitting there at 100, at 100. She goes, well, let's just make it 101. So somewhere <laughs> in Hammond, Louisiana, there are, you know, there are people probably like, hopefully they're like, oh, that's cool. We made, we made the free choice this year. I love it. And Gary Bohannon, former Baylor quarterback on the list, third strongest player, I think, on the team at South Florida. I mean, that says a lot about him. I'm not, not sure what it says about the rest of the team, but I think you said he could squat 500 pounds and then the speed to go with that. I mean, I just I hope he has a great final year of college football. It's hard to know when the final year is now that they play like six or seven years, but he was a great winner at Baylor who had great production and they decided to go with Blake Shapin over him. But I mean, what a tremendous guy, Bruce. I don't know if you've been around Gary, but uh, just a neat, neat, like a leader type guy. And that's just cool to see a guy like that who will appreciate this. Like when somebody goes to Gary Bohannon and says, Hey, do you know you were on this freaks list? Like he'll love that. Um, and that's always kind of cool. But uh, I just thought that was uh interesting because he's probably the strongest quarterback in the country perhaps would that be you think that's a fair statement he might be he might be I mean it's a great combination because I knew he was a high academic guy when he was he was in Waco and look they I'm interested to see how he does this year because the new coach at USF um, Alex Golish came from Tennessee and he'd been at UCF with Josh Heupel and they've obviously got a good thing going under Josh Heupel so maybe this USF program's been way down. It would probably, I think it'd be a neat story for a lot of people in Waco who remember Bohannon and know, you know, and know how hard he worked um, and to see that and to see, you know, maybe he can get them to a bowl game in year one. Who knows? But I, I think that would be a, a big thing can, for a program that's really trying to flip it around under a new coach. Bruce, is it still a little surreal to think what happened a couple of weeks ago to the Pac-12? Do you still find yourself almost kind of going, wait a second, like this thing's really basically going away? Um, how, how crazy is that for a guy who has been out there in the middle of it, covered a lot of Pac-12 games? Uh, is it Does it still feel just really strange to you that we've uh, we've seen this happen? I think it doesn't quite – it's not really truly sunk in until – you know, I went to big. I went to Pac-12 media days, and USC and UCLA were obviously there. And I went to Big Ten media days, and they weren't. Um, I think when they're actually playing those games, I think it'll feel different. You know, because right now we know it. We've talked about it a lot, but the truth is, it. I mean, it's happened, but it hasn't really happened yet. You know, and um, I just think even, you know, the idea of Texas and OU and the SEC, it's coming. But it's not happened yet. And when I think just the, you know, I remember going to Johnny Manziel's first uh, game at, at A&M and they were playing Florida, you know, and it was a different era. But, you know, I, again, in some ways, it, it to me, this feels a little more momentous, some of these things, because USC and UCLA, you know, the Pac-12 was around for, it has been around for so long. You know, it's like the Big 12, 
not like the Big 12 was around for 100 years, right? You know, there was the old no. Southwest Conference. It was the Big 8. And, and I just feel like people have gotten a little more less tied to some of that, whereas the Pac-12, you know, the Pac-12, you know, Pac-10, Big Big 10 Rose Bowl matchups were one thing. And now all of a sudden, the idea that there might not might not be a Pac-12 again or anymore is, is kind of mind-blowing. The Big 12 with a 16-team with a league, um, it's just going to be strange to see. I think it'll be fun, great in basketball, hard to totally say in football. I mean, in the future, who do you see kind of filling the void of Texas and Oklahoma? Uh, and could it be, I mean, will Utah, do you think they can just kind of keep things rolling a little bit and maybe right away? be a power in that conference. It's just kind of fun to think about, I mean, and weird to think about Arizona and Arizona State, what they're going to look like in this new-look conference. It seems like Utah is set up best to to immediately be, you know, have some swagger about it. How do you think that new conference, like who are the, who are the candidates in your mind to kind of be at the top between whether it be TCU, Kansas State, Utah, where do you where do you kind of see it going? I think Utah's the best positioned. I mean, they just played in the Rose Bowl. They beat USC twice. You know, they're they have a true identity that Kyle Whittingham has formed over two decades there. And I think as long as he's there, they're going to be really tough because they're the team. And I, I appreciated this so much more as a sideline reporter because you see them at field level and you're like, wow, I get it. They're just different than a lot of teams in their physicality. Um, I think TCU is very well positioned to make a, to elevate because of what they've done, the leadership there has done over the, probably the last two decades to build that place up. And I think Sonny Dykes is, you know, I think he's really evolved as a coach and he's a really good fit there. Um, and I'm impressed by what they're doing. And I think they're in position like, I'm, you know, you're right to have mentioned K-State. I think when being around the Big 12 a bunch last year, the coaches I would talk to said they thought the best coached program in the conference was K-State, you know, and they actually won the big 12 last year. People kind of forget that because of TCU's run, but I, I, you know, we'll see if they can sustain and take another step. They won 10 games last year and that was the most they'd won in in a decade. So we'll see if they can, can keep, you know, sustain it and grow from there. I mean, Chris Kleiman won a bunch of, national championships at North Dakota state, but now it's a different deal. And, um, you know, I, I, let's see what happens with the new four schools in there because, you know, BYU has had success under Kalani Satake. Cincinnati had been really good under Luke Fickle. Now it's Scott Satterfield. I think it's a good coach too. You know, UCF has a lot of speed and Gus miles on, you know, people knew what he did at Auburn and, and Dana is a really good offensive coach and Houston has a big, big, you know, recruiting foot, recruiting base that they can draw from. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see which of those four schools probably gets, can get the most traction out of the gate. All right, Bruce, we appreciate it. Uh, watch one last show, by the way, on Longhorn Network. Uh, it is going away <laughs> after all these years. It's hard to believe that it caused such a stink, isn't it? Now a network that honestly didn't, do that much or wasn't that huge of a deal with it 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 scared off so many schools and it was the final straw for texas a&m and it was weird that it ended up really not being 
that big of a deal in terms of helping them in recruiting or anything like that. But uh, I did see the Longhorn Network is coming to a close. So if you need to watch that title game one last time with Vince Young and Reggie Bush, uh, Bruce, have at it. All right. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, I think it's an old year tied to a new year. And I remembered how big of a, you know, like we were both at ESPN probably around those times. And I just remembered you know, how that was for the bosses. That was a huge priority for them. When I remember sitting in a big, um, in a big tent outside somewhere in Bristol where, you know, it was one of their big five priorities of the year was get, you know, getting the Longhorn network. It's, you know, rolling and, you know, I think they did do some good things, and I think there was a lot of other stuff, like you said, that ended up falling flat from a from a from a branding standpoint. You know, for the for the university and for the school and for its football program, and some of that had to do with bad timing of the program started to to backslide. You know, coincidentally, right around that time. Bruce, appreciate it. We we uh, always look forward to the list, and it was fun having you on and hope to see you in Waco or at one of these stops as you do all your Fox sideline work and, and uh, the big noon game and the whole, the whole shebang. Appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks, Matt. You bet. There he goes. Bruce Feldman, um, who uh, we were at uh, ESPN.com together from circa 2006 through about 2000. 11, and for some reason I have memory of seeing him at the Sky Bar one night at a Jerry Jones party during Cowboys training camp. And uh, Bruce always really good guy and, and uh, very, very plugged in. And uh, the uh, Aaron likes reading that athletic uh, and that list. And Aaron, the one guy I didn't mention to him, um, Monterey Baldwin from Baylor, also on the Freaks list. And Aaron, the guy we had on from Cincinnati – his name now escapes me, but the guy we interviewed at Big at Big Twelve Media Days, basically when they brought him over there and didn't tell me his name, and I'm panicking because I'm like I'm about to interview somebody I don't know, and I don't know the young man's name. He ended up Aaron on the freaks list, and um, you know he was the guy that was a, a member of the school choir and uh, wonderful singer. And I, I'll uh, I'll look it up. I'll look it up because I like I like that guy. Monterey Baldwin, by the way, number forty-two on the freaks list. He hit twenty-two point eight miles per hour on the GPS on a touchdown, which was the fastest a college player was clocked in game in two thousand twenty-two. This is from Bruce Feldman, uh, five nine, one hundred and sixty-four pounder, also super strong. Aaron at five nine, one hundred and sixty-four pounds. Is that, Aaron? You're you're not far off from that. You're about five eight or five nine, and that you know you you lost a bunch of weight. You kind of got down there. You may have a tiny bit more weight than that. Um, he bench presses four hundred and five pounds, squats five fifty, and power cleans three hundred pounds. Wow, wow. And then Gabe Hall from Baylor, um, 6'6", 2'96", bench presses 500, squats 565, cleans 365, and then Aaron did a 750-pound trap bar deadlift. I don't totally know what that is, but it sounds incredible. I was about to say, I don't think I could do that. 
And I don't know what it is either. The trap bar deadlift, all right? Our weightlifters out there, tell us what that is on the text line, the CNC Collision Center text line. He also, Aaron, hit 19.9 miles per hour on the GPS. I don't know if that's during a game or practice or whatever. My goodness. Um, And I, I would say, Aaron, as I was watching this thing, looking at this list, the freaks list, Michigan... Michigan did the best, and um, TCU had a a pretty good run. They got a wide receiver. Now, Quentin Johnston from Temple, I think, was on this thing in the past. Yeah, he was. Savion Williams is the new one on there. 10-6 broad jump, 40-inch vertical, and wow. Wow. The former high school quarterback has incredible arm strength. He can throw it farther than all the TCU quarterbacks. Um, this is according to Chandler Morris, the TCU starter. He said of his uh, wide receiver, he said, he threw it about 20 yards further. It was like every bit of 80 yards. 